0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We are less than a week away from the Iowa caucuses. Everybody has been waiting for Donald Trump to implode, and by everybody, I mean the GOP establishment folks that have just been waiting for – every time he says an, uh, an outlandish comment or an offhand statement, people think, this is the one. This is the one that's going to make people dump Trump. But in fact, the opposite dynamic has happened. We have seen folks double down on Donald Trump. His support is rising. He is like a tsunami coming into shore. And I do believe that the Republican establishment needs to be looking for Plan B because Plan A... Sitting around and waiting makes you look a lot like that skeleton meme that uh, says, "Hey, here's a picture of people waiting for Donald Trump to implode, and it's a picture of a skeleton smoking a ciggy on a bench." Uh, we're joined in the studio today by our friend Rachel Dodsworth. She's been on the show several times. Was uh, in studio uh, a few months ago. It's been uh, I don't know how long it's been, but welcome back, Rachel Dodsworth. And you've got some exciting stuff going on in your personal life, and also excited to get your feedback on uh, the presidential race and some of the cool stuff going on in the great state of Georgia.
2: Yeah, thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to be on your show. I think you make some good points to Trump there. People uh, I know, the year I was born, 1987, is when he came out with the art of a deal. And so I think he's still going pretty strong with branding, and he's, he's going to be able to maintain that. And I kind of agree with the, the Republican Party. We need to kind of embrace that and figure out that he's not going anywhere, and he hasn't since I've been alive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting dynamics. Yeah, I and
1: you're um, on, on Team Rubio, I believe. You kind of... Picked him out several uh, weeks, months ago. I was on Scott Walker's team a long time ago, which seems like eons ago. It was over the summer, I guess, when his campaign uh, did implode. I mean, the, the, huge the,
2: implosion. He, yeah. uh,
1: he had a 90 staff members and a massive uh, uh, expenditures on uh, campaign staff and just did very poorly in the debates. The financing dried up. I mean, you can take a look at what Donald Trump has done, and he's effectively eliminated Scott Walker and Jeb Bush two of the stronger candidates uh, going into the race, uh, the perception was anyway, and Jeb has just been flailing away, spending money, and kind of a haphazard campaign. Some of it's attacking Donald Trump, and some of it is attacking Marco Rubio, which I think is really alienating Jeb against a lot of people. What do you think about that?
2: I agree. I think Jeb, it's a fine line because they're both from Florida. They both had the same donor base. And I'm sure Jeb has a little resentment because he mentored Marco Rubio. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's just hard for Jeb to beat that low-energy perception Trump has built him. (laughs) Uh, You know, once you hear it, it doesn't leave your head. Uh, And it just goes to show, I remember the last time we were on the show together, we were... Talking about how Walker was a top candidate and we thought he could make it, but <laughs> after reading his postmortem, he had payroll well, I think it was like $19,000 a day, which that, is that, crazy. That,
1: that, that's an astounding number. Campaign managers galore that were uh, trying to, to pivot it one way, and then uh, he, he was just trying to be too many things to too many people mm-hmm. and just really went through a lot of the money. He probably should have switched him over to his pack way early, would mm-hmm. you? Deb very smartly did. Uh, Rand Paul done that, and basically all the candidates that are still left have been able to make very good use of their packs, which uh, in theory aren't supposed to be working together. But uh, I'm pretty sure there's a little collusion going on.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy the burn rate. I think that's the number everyone needs to look at: is how much money you know they're spending
1: versus bringing in. Right? Yeah, okay. and
2: well, and the burn rate's good to know too because that shows how they value your money. Clearly, Scott Walker and his campaign team didn't value your dollar, you know, as much as Marco Rubio's team. So, being able to hold on to that cash for the long term, because I mean, you can't have a nineteen thousand dollar a week payroll. What a couple months ago, when you yeah. have a, it's the long game. And same with Jeb, I mean, the super PACs, you're not allowed to coordinate. Um, but it goes to show they're spending millions, and they have to pay more for you know the higher TV rate than campaigns, right? And it's not really moving the needle. Right. And I think an interesting dynamic with the PACs, you know, and paid advertising, it almost goes to show how much earned media or free media, like Donald Trump is earning, like goes above and beyond than Mm -hmm. paid media. right? So it's an interesting dynamic to see how it's PACs versus, you know, celebrity versus, you know, your campaign versus the media. And you
1: look at this, um, you know, the American populace. For the most part, they're armchair Republicans or armchair Democrats. They're not zealots, right? So you've got the purists on the left and the purists on the right. The the Bernie Sanders, I would say, is a pretty pure candidate. He believes what he says. He believes his ninety percent tax rate, which I call mine, 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 <laughs> instead of Herman Cain's nine nine nine. He believes that that will create better outcomes. Versus the Hillary Clinton on that side, who is just an opportunist and uh, hopefully going to be an inmate uh, this time next year, and somebody duplicitous and untrustworthy. And I got a whole bunch of other adjectives for her, and I think many on the right and left know all of them. Uh, on the right, ideologically pure, uh, the bulk of his work, which is a lot more than just two-plus years in the Senate, Ted Cruz has a damn good conservative record, probably the best pure record out there. So, ideologically pure on the right, you have Ted Cruz. Pure on the left, you have Bernie Sanders. And I believe Marco Rubio is actually far more uh, ideologically sound than he's given credit for. Because Mm -hmm. think about this. Uh, Donald Trump, his supporters, which is a lot of Tea Party folks and a lot of grassroots conservatives, they are easy to forgive Donald Trump's many, many stances, many consistent big government left wing stances on uh, nationalized health care uh, on immigration on taxes uh, on a litany of issues So, but they quickly forget those but when you bring up Marco Rubio the, they, 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 they 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 roast him it's the Rubio roast don't forget that gang of eight thing he wanted to legalize all them illegals and so
2: Rubio is roasted while Trump is forgiven why is that Uh, That's a good question. I think it's Trump. He's a celebrity. He pivots and he knows the breaking news. So he's not going to sit there and dwell on things. He's going to just change the narrative immediately. I think the Wall Street Journal had a good article yesterday on the front page about Trump. Uh And it was saying Trump... Whenever he comes up with his his attacks, it's just him. He's not strategizing. He's (laughs) flying in his jet. He decided, you know what? Ted Cruz has been at the top too long. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to say he shouldn't be president because he was born in Canada. (laughs) So it's just about, like... Trump changes right. the narrative at the drop of the hat. And it's and it's harder for other candidates to do he that. He said this
1: is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Ted Cruz being born in Canada. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, the birther movement, which which Donald Trump was a, he started, he was a big part of essentially, uh, in Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and there was some validity to it back in the you know, the Obama days. There are a lot of uh, uncovered or, or covered up um, documents and history of Obama, but here's the thing Again, I think the American people don't even care. Yeah, that, that's the problem. They, they, they just don't care. And it reminds me of uh, you know when they he he rolled out Sarah Palin last week, and uh, God, I don't know what's happened to her voice, but it's gotten shrill, hasn't it? it I mean, I, Tina Fey can't even keep up with it anymore, <laughs> and so he rolls that out, and it just made me think of the movie Gladiator. When, it, when, it, when Russell Crowe kills everybody and then says, Are you not entertained? I mean, that's kind of what Trump and Palin are asking the people. Are you not entertained, America? Are you not entertained? So vote for me.
2: I think, yeah. Most people, they just like the message, Make America Great Again. You know, it's simple to the point. Uh, everybody says America is doing great, but, I mean, it really hits him. My dad, He's he really believes in Trump, and he really resonates with the make america great Mm -hmm. again he wants us to make america better than ever right and i think just getting it down to the simple you know fears of what people have and what they want to hear is kind of the art of the deal if you will you know trump lets people know if they want to hear finding
1: out what markets to them it's uh and it's interesting his supporters i do think he he is engaging people that don't normally vote and that's showing up in these polls. He's also getting, I think, some of the working class white Democrats for sure mm-hmm. because they are the ones who have been directly impacted by these uh, these porous borders that we have. Now, are some of Donald Trump's statements uh, bellicose and over the top about building a wall and having Mexico pay for it? Sure they are. But we don't care about that, do we? we I mean, we, we, when I have a rational debate about the the, the the astronomical costs of illegal immigration, people get bored with it. When I tell you that the average cost per people per child here in the state of Georgia is $12,000, and because of a 1982 Supreme Court decision, we have, to edu- we have to enroll every child in public school and not ask about their immigration status – that's a huge economic impact, especially in a state like Georgia where we're 49th in education. For a country that's $20 trillion in debt, don't tell me we're a rich country and we can educate and pay for everybody else's. We can be a third world dumping ground. Don't tell me that. I can make an economic argument that will crush that. But instead, we'd rather go
2: to the simpleton argument, build a wall, brown people out. I, what, I've i been in politics a long time, and having a rational conversation is hard. <laughs> so, I can see why Trump's making sense. It's just the bigger idea of it, the ideology of, you know, protecting uh-huh. your borders. Cuz yeah, I agree with you, you can have the numbers all day long, but it's just it's politics. It's emotional. People uh-huh. are emotional with it. And so I think kind of that's where it's resonating is the emotions and uh the fact that we're talking about building a wall, that's a narrative Trump created. So and now everybody else has to talk about it and bring up Marco yeah. Rubio's old immigration policy right. and the whole nine years. Well, and, and,
1: and the other part about it is, you know, look at Rubio and the Gang of Eight immigration bill that, that was thro- thrown out. Even if that had passed, and, and this is what I'd be talking about, what, what Trump needs or what the Republicans need is a, uh, an intellectual foil for the bravado. Okay, So we can say build a wall, make other people pay for it, protect the border, kick out the illegals. That's fine. But we also need to explain that and Mm -hmm. why it's important that we do keep sovereignty in this country. Why we cannot have open borders when we have an open welfare program while the 14th Amendment protects uh, anchor babies that are born here and we're not going to kick out families. Why the immigration bill. Even the supporters of it admitted that it would drop wages for the next 10 years at least. And I don't know how many families can afford a drop in wages for the next 10 years. And this is what the supporters admitted to, that it would drop wages for the next 10 years and it would only cut down illegal immigration by 25%. So tell me, how the hell is that a good deal? So in 30 years from now, back when in 1986 when Reagan signed the last amnesty bill, you're telling me that in 30 years... Instead of eleven million illegals, we'll maybe have eight million. And that's a that's good. But that's the intellectual argument that I'm talking about, Rachel.
2: Yeah, I mean there's just so much with immigration. That is one thing though that I'm grateful for in America is our passport and being able to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um I lived in China just to even get a visa to when did live, you live there. In China? Uh, I lived in China. Let me think. About 2011, 2012. Okay. Okay. I worked for the American Chamber of Commerce. Cool. And you have to give them blood. You have to. <laughs> you have to get through an interview process. Yeah. And so that is one thing. Our passport is just The blue
1: passport. My wife went through the legal immigration process. And maybe that's another reason that I'm super passionate about this is because I've actually gone through the process with my wife, sponsored somebody, gone through the four years of interviews and and fees and blood tests and background checks and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And if the Democrats, if Obama passes this immigration bill, no matter if there's any, any good things in there like building a wall and increasing enforcement at the border and having them pay a fine, you know the left is going to ignore the tough parts of the law. We've already seen them do it with Obamacare. They're going to ignore the painful parts, and they'll probably waive fees that uh, the illegals are supposed to be paying because of uh, economic hardship. This is just stuff I'm speculating on, folks, but we have a track record, a documented track record, from the Obama administration. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. I've been a little bit more riled up than I thought (laughs) I would be. I drank a lot of coffee beforehand, and I might have done some meth. I'm kidding (laughs) about the coffee. We'll be back in a couple minutes on Greg's List.
3: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
4: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
5: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
4: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back on Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. Really uh, excited today. Got uh, Rachel Dodsworth here from Adsworth Media and a recent nominee for the American Association of Political Consultants. 40 Under 40 Award. You're welcome, by the way. I nominated you for this prestigious award. Uh, I guess y- uh, the, the ceremonies will be in April where 40 people will be given the uh, the Carl Rove Courageous Achievement
2: Award. <laughs> well, thank you for the <laughs> nomination. Yeah, in April in San Juan, Puerto Rico nice. will be the award ceremony. So yeah, nominated for 40 Under 40. That's there'll amazing. be 15 Republicans win. <laughs> Um, out of the group, and so essentially it's uh, dedicated to fostering the next generation of political professionals, mm-hmm. and so they just want to recognize leaders and innovators um, in the political business
0: community.
1: Yeah. Now, with Adsworth, what are some of the attributes that you think that you have uh, specialized in? I know digital, um, from my experience with you, is a very important part. Digital media is basically website development, social media um what else? Maybe Just
2: pretty much, kind of, it all boils back. Back in 2010, I wrote my master's thesis on how to develop a new media strategy to increase political participation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, essentially, the whole goal of that was to show campaigns how to integrate in their overall strategy, you know, uh, new media or social media c- like con- concepts, right. so they can help get, reach new people. Okay, uh, and so. You know, kind of like that, Adsworth, what we do is it's just, apart from the websites, it's knowing what your goal is and how to integrate it in all the moving parts. Because now there's just so many moving parts for the campaign or a business and so many assets you have to manage. And so you really got to take the time to roll out things. You know, if you're a candidate and you get an endorsement, the first thing you want to do is probably go tweet it. But now nah, you need to plan the robocalls. You need to ID if people even like, you know, that person. Because you don't want to get, you know... Th- that person have a mail piece? Like if somebody
1: hates Sarah Palin, Donald Trump, you would want to go after the folks that are on Palin's mailing list and maybe go to her Facebook. Are there ways that you could look at a candidate's or a public figure's Facebook page? and see if you can kind of run a cross-section and get their email addresses? Are you, is uh, there capability to do that out there?
2: Well, the, yeah, there's information. You can get a lot of things. What we've done in campaigns and kind of why we're innovative is doing, like, ID work or polling. So uh-huh. voter files, when you get those calls, uh-huh. it's like, do you like Newt Gingrich or Sarah Palin? Yes, or, you know. Yeah. And so essentially when people say, no, we don't like them, that's like you put that in your database and you don't yeah. send them that You're information. You're collecting information
1: and storing it. And mm-hmm. you can collect it from somebody's
2: web searches. There's all sorts of uh,
1: uh, breadcrumbs. And people that, that tell you.
2: Yeah. I mean, your FEC donations. Yeah, your Facebook. Ah, FEC, everything. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, from, uh, some, from donations that are reported under the... Uh, Federal Election Commission, that's a tool that uh, I admit I've uh, looked at as well. Because yeah. Because if somebody – and the way you look at that, and this, this probably – this shouldn't be telling people anything new, but you look at that for lists of donors, and as long as you're not running against that person directly, then there's really nothing uh, illegal about taking their names. I know I get a lot of fundraising – is there – with well, you rolled your eyes. <laughs> so, if I went to, um, let's say, I went to somebody's um, congressional disclosures from 2008, mm-hmm. they're no longer running, they're no longer in office, and I just manually wrote down people that had donated more than a thousand dollars to their campaign, and I sent them out a mail
2: piece about something completely different. Is that illegal? Uh, I'm not sure if it's illegal, but I know I'd looked down upon. But nobody, so it's I w- mean, how would practice? people know, really? Well, so that's the thing in <laughs> I mean, politics is. Like I'm, I'm on Donald so many, Trump's email list, and I'm
1: I don't know so how. Many ma- I mean, I'm on so many. Ma- I mean, basically, I did a uh, a bundle for Mitt Romney uh, a few years ago, and I g- managed to get eleven hundred dollars. I've got a. I've rented. I've sponsored a table at an event, and I and it was eleven hundred dollars. So now. I think that that has put me on some kind of list where mm-hmm. I get solicitations for like 10,000 – I mean big ones. And oh, the re- yeah, the there reason, are. And the reason I know it's from Romney is because they spelled my – I wrote my name hurriedly on the thing. And so instead of Greg Williams, it says Gray, G-R-E-Y Williams. And also whenever I get these big ticket uh, asks, which I, you know, I don't really have the funds to send it to them, but I get very ornate – Mail pieces because I'm on some kind of list of people that have maybe I, I and I'm only guessing.
2: no no there so there is that's a whole another segment uh, it's called like email list rental and you see that with um, and that's legal like Scott Walker let's say he might rent his list out to another candidate and so when you rent an email list they don't give you the emails it just. They'll write the email and send it on their behalf. Uh, okay. So if you then interact with the email, you'll so it'll click say, their "I'm info. Scott
1: Walker." And today, what's really important to me is
2: David Perdue getting reelected. Exactly. Okay. And then if you click in the email, the David Perdue thing, David Perdue now has your information. But it's very common uh, for okay. political campaigns, super PACs, yeah. to share email lists. So that's why you get okay. on this. Yeah, and those—that's big money. And, and there's nothing illegal about it. Yeah. Uh, it's unscrupulous, perhaps. Well, yeah, they're not th- – I think the fine line is is they can't give your email away, but what happens is they can send you an email if you're signed up for their email list okay. already. so they can
1: send me an email, and if I happen to click on something mm-hmm. t- related to the content that they are promoting, then that could trigger that my email would then be given to the next person. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, and it's actually very illegal to, like, share emails – that, I mean, there's been some like big lawsuits with that. <laughs> but, I mean, the, to, the list rental, that, that's pretty common, actually. Yeah, yeah a, no, big I mean, business.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've... Run across that uh, before, and that's why you also do get a lot of uh, solicitations for various people um, that are supporting issues. And you know, a lot of times it'll be a a, you know congressional rep Mm -hmm. trying to get support for a bill or saying, "I will repeal Obamacare." But they use uh, like Sheriff Joe Arpaio is a big one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any kind of national, I I, I would guess, Sarah Palin's probably. Yeah, exactly.
2: I was about to say Sarah Palin's has a huge list. (laughs) And what happens is, is they can target it down to Georgia or certain areas. And so Trump's going to probably, you know, she'll send out emails on behalf mm-hmm. for Trump. And so say Trump comes to Georgia, it's easy for Sarah Palin's email team to segment it out to Georgia and send out a, right. in, an email. So, yep. yeah, it's really valuable having all the, the data. It's being able to sort the data. That's some of the uh, innovative things that
1: you've done. And also uh, do the target marketing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about YouTube commercials. Do you know uh, much about those? I think that that is the next. I think that eventually the the, t- the big ad buys on TV, I think that's going to disappear mm-hmm. over, over the years. I think the YouTube videos that are targeted to your URL where you are geographically, that's the next
2: step. Oh, totally agree. YouTube, so AdsWords, we're Google partners, so that means we... Um do, do a lot of ad buys with google and take tests and whatnot and we actually do a ton with youtube because it's low-hanging fruit like cost-wise essentially because yeah you get your video and then you're gonna essentially it's a two-step thing okay you can watch the video and the person can click in the video to your website or make a donation but um yeah youtube is huge I, we did it for John McCallum a couple of his TV commercials the we put race in down in
1: uh, the Georgia two I uh
2: know? Georgia one yeah Georgia the one won, I the campaign one Jack manager for was the
1: former 20 plus year rep from there and then uh you were working on uh john mccallum's seat and he was a couple votes away from getting into the runoff so. mm-hmm,
2: exactly and yeah we bought ads for a couple uh youtube ads on the television ads with his wife um who is miss america and you not can- a bad person to have
1: in your ads
2: oh yeah and you can see that just better the- than mr america <laughs> <laughs> and you can see the views just go up okay um and oh, cool yeah, so it's just a great way to get your name out and it's part of the Google, you know, mm-hmm. search. So it really yeah. kind of helps boost you. And you can you have a lot more
1: ability to go viral uh, with YouTube. And I think certainly in any kind of race that's, you know, going to have a couple hundred to 1000 plus voters in it that That's uh, a really good way to target it. And it's so mm-hmm. much better than just, you know, blanketing Fox News with ads oh, on it. Yeah. Because I think people get, I mean, now if you watch Fox News in the morning, I usually watch The Nine, The Bill Hemmer, um, and The Marsha. Bill and Marsha. Sounds like a Brady Bunch thing. But, uh, yeah, the one with Bill and Marsha on it. And it's just back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back ads. And so you're a week away now from voting. I just think people are that's going in, in one ear out the other. Uh,
2: YouTube, yeah. So we're way into YouTube because of the targeting, like you said. And the good thing with YouTube is is most of the time you can your campaigns can be pretty short. So around an event or something. Uh-huh. So you're only... You can bu- allocate your budget for maybe a couple days. Mm-hmm. But it's very targeted to, like, county, to age, mm-hmm. to demographics. Yeah, I uh, think that's so cool. Like, very, very How targeted. How expensive is it, though? Um, it, it, it really varies on – it's supply and demand. Okay. Google is just supply and demand. So, But it's not too expensive once you start to get down and narrow your target. So, you know, if you want a lot of views, you're going to have a broad, mm-hmm. you know, audience. So that will cost a little more. Right. But um, honestly, I find it comparable or cheaper than Facebook advertising. Really? Yeah, well, and so we always prefer people use Facebook. I think
1: Facebook ad. I've personally found Facebook advertising to be very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're uh, we're coming up to our two thirty break here. We're gonna have. Uh, Harrison Lance calling and Harrison's been working on a really important bill. We're going to go from one horse race to another horse race, which the uh, presidential horse race is what we've been talking about and some digital media stuff which again, I just uh, I think direct mail is going to go away eventually except for maybe rural areas. Mm-hmm. I can imagine people and 80% of people live in Inside city limits these days. So for rural folks or an older crowd, an older generation, I think direct mail will still be a viable part of a campaign. And this is something ten to fifteen years down the road. Mm-hmm. But I do think that social media, and we don't even know, but with Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and some of these even newer pieces, how those will evolve. I see Instagram becoming a big part of presidential campaigns. Facebook Snapchat and Twitter is- are definitely. How is in you know after the break? Maybe we can talk a little bit about how to uh, leverage snapchat i am still a little bit old for that one i believe but i am always willing to learn under your tutelage um but uh, we're going to go ahead and take our break here be back with uh, the harrison lance to talk a little georgia politics and uh uh, i want to hear you bet the horse farm see you in a minute
5: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear?
0: All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. We were seriously taking a Greg's List selfie here. Joined in studio with Rachel Doddsworth, founder of Adsworth Media and a few other ventures, and recently named and nominated uh, for the uh, prestigious award, 40 Under 40, American Association of Political Consultants. And uh, we've been talking about new media and politics, the presidential horse race. Now I'm happy to welcome my friend back to Greg's List, uh, Harrison Lane. Lance, who's probably been more than a year since you've been on the the show, Mr. Lance, but going to be talking about a different kind of horse race, uh, paramutual betting in the great state of Georgia, and why certain legislators are afraid of freedom, apparently, and uh, Harrison's been on the front lines of this business, which would basically uh, bring horse racing to the state of Georgia. The uh, late Harry Geisinger was a big champion of this event. His district uh, covered Roswell and Milton, where a lot of the horse farms in the state of Georgia are, and uh, they had a big hearing yesterday, and apparently a few Democrats were not real happy with the fact that we might have some private sector job creation. Harrison, give us a little update of what's going on, and uh, tell us about how the, uh, the issue's been treating you, and welcome back to Greg's List.
6: Thanks, Greg. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Don't make it be so long next time.
1: Hey, you know, you just need to start uh, championing issues every day, and I'll, I'll keep you on a weekly uh, cycle here. <laughs>
6: Well, before I start, I want to give out a, a shout-out to uh, Abby. Uh, she's been a good friend of mine throughout all this, and she's actually uh, kept me sane throughout this whole process. Um, going through you know, what happened last uh, in, in the hearing, we presented uh, a piece of enabling legislation uh, to the Constitutional Amendment. And essentially what that means is once the Constitutional Amendment uh, passes through the Senate and the House, there actually has to be a legal framework to set up the races and the, and the organizations that are going to regulate it, and so on and so forth. So we were presenting that uh, to the committee, and there seemed to be some issue uh, just with, you know, uh, some miscommunication or something of that matter. And some people just outright, you know, were, were originally were supporters of it, turned out to no longer be uh, very interested in it. So... We, what we had was a difference in, in perception, and that's okay. the issue here with this bill. It's that, you know, this bill is constantly seen as a paramutual betting bill. However, it, it shouldn't be seen as that. This should be all about education. I mean, you know, DEAL is doing a great job with charter schools. They're popping up all over the state. You know, more charter schools equals more college acceptance among students. That's actual a uh, fact from the Georgia Department of Education. Right. The issue is, just because you're accepted doesn't mean that you can afford to go to college. I mean, you know, the University of North Georgia without the Hope Scholarship is $8,000 per semester. That's, that's, that's
1: $16,000 16, a year, and that's part of what these uh, these millennials are yapping about, that they have all this student loan debt, and America forced them to take it, right?
6: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I get that there's opposition to the bill. I mean, you know, we had the Faith and Freedom Coalition come out against it, the, the Concerned Women for Georgia uh, came out against it, um, and the Baptist lobby came out against it. That right there is ironic, the Baptists that I have a lobby. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, great, you know what, you're opposed to the bill, fine, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but let's not continue to identify, you know, our party and the party of conservatism as the party of no. What, where's, where is their you know other plan where is there show me a plan where you can get five thousand brand new jobs fifteen million in new revenue from new funding that's going to the state which can send five thousand additional students to, to to college show me your plan for that and then we can have an actual discussion but do not right. just get up and yell no because you're morally opposed to it and that's the issue that we're having here is that people are having a perception problem in seeing that this is a morality issue when what it should be seen is a jobs and a education bill that is sending more kids to school through the introduction yeah. and, of a and, professional and, sport. And Harrison,
1: I, I would say it's a bill about freedom. Uh, and and those are the exact types of issues that I tend to champion. Uh, with The Uber and Lyft issue, the craft beer issue, and this uh-huh. issue, these have all manifested on my radar screen as get government out of the way I, I, the, the horse racing industry, and, and here's the challenge for you guys, is to keep this one separate from the casinos, because the casinos Absolutely. is a far more, it's a far bigger animal, it's a far bigger uh, elephant in the room, if you will, and mm-hmm. you're going to run into, you know, I guess the uh, the religious lobby that are going to try to tie the two together and do this huge misinformation campaign, but these are completely separate issues uh, in my opinion.
6: Absolutely. That, that is one of the major issues that we're having. You see, uh, when when I was doing my uh, when I was working down at the Capitol last year, I got really involved in this uh, in this group, and I f- realized that there wasn't really a lot of studies in microeconomic impacts mm-hmm. uh, in the in the local counties. And I mean, the sources ex- were were so credible. I mean, the U.S. Depar- the, Euro- the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve—they all state unequivocally. That through the introduction of a racetrack to a local community, median household income rises, unemployment decreases, economic conditions index rises, real estate rises, infrastructure improves, educational reform happens. There is literally a crime rate goes down. That is a common common misinformation stereotype that that the opposition loves to spout, that crime rates go up through the introduction of a gambling place like a horse racing track. That is not true. Gambling, uh, ga- uh, sorry, horse racing track introduction into the local community decreases crime rates exponentially. And the issue I see is, you know, casinos don't, don't have this list of stats that is great. And, and, and if you actually look into the stats behind the casinos, mm-hmm. it's not really the best. You know, you're going to have a lot harder time arguing the economic merits of a casino than you are a horse racing bill. And the issue is people are lumping us together when, in fact, yeah. the horse racing bill is fantastic, and it will give you jobs, it will give you economic development, and it will give you economic security.
1: And it was close last year to uh, to passing a couple votes uh, short in the Senate, and then, unfortunately, Rep. Geisinger uh, passed away this past year. But uh, I, I would ask people to, to look at the spirit uh, of his legacy and to consider his goals in this bill and to look at the economic impact. I mean, horse racing, it, it's such a it's such a great industry. I mean, the, you can imagine the uh, if you've ever been to the polo fields up in Marietta or up into, you know, real horse country up in Milton, uh, we have a, a, a huge amount of resources available for this and it's such a, I, I, I guess it's a blue blood type sport so you're not going to be, you know, having penny slots and you know, old ladies addicted to the one Arm bandit sipping on gin and tonics at the airport. We're just,
6: just not going <laughs> to no, that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and, you know, to, to your point, the infrastructure <laughs> is there. You know, 1996 Olympics, we had an equestrian facility that was state of the art. Right. You know, the the total farm gate value, farm gate is the uh, the total economic value a state has. By the last farm gate value done by UGA's uh, veterinary school for the state of Georgia, horses are the eighth most Profitable commodity in Georgia. That is above pe- that is above peaches. That is above apples. We are a very agrarian society in the south and in the north. But horses is a, is a, in the top ten most profitable commodity in Georgia. There is estimated to be over two hundred and seventy thousand horses, and of uh, of those. You know, roughly conservatively, twenty to thirty percent can be raced. Huh. Listen, but to, you, listen not. to you with all these—they're these th- going to South Carolina, they're going they're, to Virginia, Kentucky, they're, they're you going know, to Alabama, they're going
1: to other states, which is similar to what we're seeing. Uh, you know, when we had the fireworks issue, where we have that with the casino gambling as well. But listen to you with all those facts and figures. I mean, wow! You must—it must be so shocking to be able to use those against people that say, "Nope, it's a moral issue, and horse racing is bad." I mean, what, and, is that, was that is that the their argument? It. Is that their argument? Well, I'm pretty sure I've been to plenty of sermons from these types of people <laughs> They just won't tell you how to live and tell you what what, what America's all about.
6: And you know, I, I, I'm a I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm, I go to Holy Spirit Catholic Church. I know that might be, you know, some the Baptists might think me the devil, <laughs> but you know i'm a follower of christ i read the bible every day and you know at, at no point in the bible does it mention gambling in fact in, in one passage it does say pick the right horse into which ride into heaven so <laughs> it's talking about you know the love of money and and for those people who say you know the the, the bible says don't love don't love money don't get rich quick schemes well, if you have stocks, I dare you to say that to me because I'm going to <laughs> yeah. tell you to sell all your stocks right now. Because right. the stock market is the yeah. biggest. Yeah, tra- you want to trade to options?
1: I mean, yeah, trading options or buying soybeans and never actually expecting to take delivery of said soybeans is the uh, definition of gambling. I know, I gamble every time I order Chinese on Beaufort <laughs> Highway. <laughs> The question is, how many times do you win that gamble? I don't, I don't think you, you know, win at all. It's no dog left behind. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding Rachel, uh, our guest here In studio, actually i got to get you up here One of these days uh, Harrison, it's up here In Sandy Springs But uh, Rachel actually Lived in China So she kind of laughed At my, uh, my the, <laughs>
6: So she was like You're going to die <laughs> Yeah
1: she, No, she said She said, don't go to China And that's why I came back But I mean, you're from Savannah That area That area uh, Ron Stevens is a rep He's been a, a, a big proponent Of the casinos mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. think I mean, Savannah It seems like their economy me is me uh, You've got an international city there. What do you think, Rachel, about uh, this issue? And, and I think it could help Savannah tremendously in that area.
2: It's an interesting issue. I remember I had a conversation with uh, our agricultural commissioner, Gary Black, and he just said horses or... It, it's so uh, it becomes difficult because of PETA. <laughs> he says that's <laughs> one of the hardest things that they have to deal with in their office. Because is of uh, the
1: pe- people for the uh, pe- people eating tasty animals, or the <laughs> there you go so that's, to. That's that's I'm a freak- proud
6: member yeah. of that.
1: I am too. I go to Fogo de Chow, and rec- and I uh,
2: use my rat to eat all the time. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so the so PETA has a problem with horse racing. Well, well the, with horses in essentially kind of the way they're viewed to make money off of cuz essentially yeah a lot of countries want to buy yeah uh, dead horses, but...
1: Uh, well, that, well, that's, that's true.
2: So, so I just know, he said in general, <laughs> horses, he, he was giving I a don't, headache.
1: I hate to beat a dead horse here, but... Uh, <laughs> the issue. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> so, you know, you, 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 most people listen to Greg's list for, for the puns, I think. The information, <laughs> the information is just secondary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that economic argument is incredible, and the ancillary jobs. Um, I mean, I've been up to several of the horse farms and parks up in uh, Milton, and there's a ton of ancillary jobs that come in there, and these jobs and, all have a multiplier effect on the local economy.
6: And, Greg, I will say, in response, in, in response to the PETA issue, I mean, we have two astounding veterinarians that were just appointed to the, the board of the, the UGA Veterinarian uh, School, and on top of that, they talked repeatedly with Governor Deal and with Gary Black on, you know, many issues mm-hmm. relating to veterinarian issues and, and relating to animal rights issues here in the state. And the bill that we dropped actually requires that there be someone with veterinary experience who is on the board with the horse racing, so that we will not have issues like slaughterhouse exped- expeditions right. and, and whatnot.
1: Yeah, you want Taco Bell won't be a, <laughs> selling the new Crunch Rito's right?
6: <laughs> Disgusting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know there was a, there was a legit story that said a portion of their uh, their meat did have a, small traces of uh, of, of equine uh, samples. Um, you but just ruined
6: Taco Bell for uh, well, <laughs> you Well, I, I
1: am sorry about that. I uh, you know, soylent green is people, but at uh, any <laughs> <God. laughs> That's a little say- before. That's a little bit before your time, but anyway, Harrison, keep up the fight. Uh, I'm going to make sure we promote your uh, Facebook page on this. Uh, there's some ways for uh, our listeners to stay in, in on top of this event. And to me, it's about economic freedom. It's about creating private sector jobs. Morality be damned.
6: Well, I will also say, you know, if, if if they get the chance, go to Georgia Horse Racing Coalition's website. They are the people okay. that that really are behind the people who do these studies and find these information. Mm-hmm. They give me this to talk to y'all because they're very small, they're very shy and they're very old, <laughs> but these people are the ones that really make the the economic impact okay. and the economic studies viable. Well,
1: we are going to be on the lookout for that. Harrison, Lance, thank you for calling in today. Looking forward to seeing you soon and following the progress of what I consider a, a bill that will uh, greatly enhance economic
3: opportunity in Georgia.
1: See you in a couple thank minutes you, on Greg's List.
3: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. Visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
4: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Wrapping up with my co-host of the day. The superbly talented Rachel Dodsworth from Adsworth Media, recently nominated, you're welcome, for the 40 Under 40 American Association of Political Consultants, a.k.a. the Carl Rove Award winners. And on the left, it would be uh, the James Carville Award winners, <laughs> I suppose. But uh, so you, <laughs> we just finished up talking about a couple horse races, the presidential campaign on the Republican side, and also horse racing in the great state of Georgia. And you told me you were one of these little girls that actually did have a pony. Uh, so yes. you when? How old were you when you got your pony?
2: Uh, I can't believe that you are getting me to admit this on a uh, public record, but yes, it's... I had a pony named Rainbow. <laughs> growing up <laughs> on my parents' farm in Tennessee. Wow. Because I am, in fact, a Tennessee hillbilly. You're born a Tennessean. In okay.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, so did... did your pony volunteer for anything specific?
2: I mean, I was a little. You don't baby. even know I what happened. So, day, so huh? you
1: you just said I want a pony, and your dad's like, "All right, you get a pony." <laughs> I guess, yeah. Here he come. had his
2: big Clydesdale, well, and I had my little <laughs> rainbow, and I think we rode the trails <laughs> oh, <that's>,
1: together. <laughs> that is just—I uh, I love the that the vision of that archetype. It's—it's uh, very—it's uh, Americana. Um, a rainbow. Speaking of an yeah. archetype that you do not want to have, I tuned in a little bit last night for the Democrat uh, town hall forum debate, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton show, basically, and I am mortified is probably too strong of a word. But listening to Hillary Clinton defend her record of abject failure foreign policy wise was just laughable to me and this was at about the hour and a half mark so I forgive anybody that tuned in before it and decided to go rewind VCR tapes or do any other menial chore besides continue the torture, the audio and visual waterboarding if you will Uh, so does anybody believe that? does she believe it? she had a a, a cheering group of people that are on the the Democrat party hand Wheel apparently, where you spin your wheels and end up in the same place over and over again. But can anybody believe that? Can she make a rational argument that things are better now than they were when she took over as Secretary of State?
2: I'm sure she believes it, and honestly, the DNC chairwoman <coughs> believes it. Wasserman? Yeah, because they're kind of rolling out the red carpet for Hillary. I mean, look at their debate schedule compared oh, yeah. to ours. Well, I, mean,
1: I will say last night was finally one where they were actually on primetime, and there was no NFL games, or it wasn't a Saturday night where people are out boozing it up during the Christmas party holiday season. It was actually uh, probably the most well-watched, and I think that they are feeling the burn, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean I think she might believe it. The thing early on when there's a lot of Joe Biden talk about running for president, uh-huh. I was 100% sure that the justice department was going to bring charges <laughs> against her. Yeah. And that's why the you know the rumors were buzzing cuz they needed to have someone to replace uh-huh. her. Um so honestly I think charges probably won't get brought against her at this point. And I, I you know
3: I,
1: I think they may be and it may be Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren riding in on the white horse later because Hillary Clinton is doing dismal in the polls. But and and Democrats maybe they're taking this wait and see attitude and they think, hey, Donald Trump is inevitable and we can beat him. She she's actually beating him in these polls one on one. And it's it, it, these are way far out, but I think it's an indi- indication. So maybe the Democrats are saying, hey, as long as we keep pushing Trump. We got this.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it, to me, it's all about credibility. It's the American presidency. Like, we don't want someone that has, like, open investigations against them. <laughs> but, you know, she won't acknowledge that reality. And, yeah, the Democrats probably are pushing Trump. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would like to see them head to head. I think they would be pretty mm-hmm. good opponents with yep. each other. and uh I mean, Hillary's walking in a fine line, and I think she's really banking on the, the female vote, if yeah, you will.
1: Right, like this historic – like Obama was a historic black president. Mm-hmm. She's going after the girl power, and, I, and clearly Donald Trump has not exactly – although the Tea Party folks certainly have no problem with some of his, his uh, rougher comments, mm-hmm. if, you, if you will, unrefined mm-hmm. um, well,
2: let's see. That's the thing. Now, and
1: for you have you have heard of some of, you know, when the Megan Kelly maybe she needs to walk off and bleed or whatever. Like for you, you're a female, you're a young female, you're exactly the target audience that Republicans really need to reach out to. Does stuff like that bother you or do you just say that's that's him that's just him being him?
2: Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think I'm <clears throat> unique. I've grown up working in politics and technology where people are, are very irrational, so... And vulgar. I don't think anything... And, yeah, after living in China, I think nothing can offend <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah. at but, all. Like, like using, the, using restrooms in the middle of the street, and that, that's actually legal bathrooms over there. That, okay.
2: But, like, a lot of other women, though, on campaigns, I've had people come up to me crying uh-huh. and say, how can you work for a Canada that supports abortions? Uh. And so it's That's really real. or or,
1: uh, or is Or is it's
2: pro pro t- Pro, uh, you just outed uh, yourself. Sorry. Oh, my. Let well, no, me backtrack. So women <laughs> yeah. will come up and say, how can <laughs> you let somebody be pro-life? Uh, yeah,
1: I, I'm just kidding you.
2: And so people, I think, yeah, they come and cry. Right. And, and so I think it really does hurt a lot of women. The
1: thin-skinned. And, and this is like, but again, th- you you signed up for it. You don't mind the trench warfare that is uh, working in politics. It's mm-hmm. the, the tacit observer that just does see the headline. Like the re- recent one that Donald Trump said he could shoot some, on Fifth Avenue and not lose support. That was – I when I first read the headline, I'm like, geez, I can't believe he'd say that. But then I watched the footage of it. And he was saying it jokingly to a crowd of 10,000 people. It was clearly in jest. But mm-hmm. Some of the other comments are ones that I think are going to be a little bit difficult to explain.
2: Well, I think these are things down the road that could be a problem because <clears throat> from my past experiences on other campaigns where the polling was great, we thought we were going to um. win. What, what ended up happening was the Republican women broke ballot and didn't vote for us because of certain, you know, statements that were said against women right. in the past. So that is the one thing to look for, like worry about long term is how his statements could affect women when the election day matters if it gets down to the general.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that's where, you know, Trump's support is yeah 60 percent plus males from mm-hmm. what I've been reading. But I've also read that he's got twenty to twenty-five percent of the African, the black vote.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, if he, got, I mean, it, who? It, that would almost say, who cares? I mean, if he was able to get twenty percent of the black vote. That are tired of the the Democrat Party hamster wheel, mm-hmm. and are also tired of Republicans that f- basically have not gotten anything done. We've seen the uh, what I've called the gang of twenty-two, the uh, National Review folks that came out and basically dedicated a whole magazine ad to essays about why Donald Trump is bad. Uh, first of all, too little, too late, guys. Yeah. Second, you're you're not going to tell somebody who's been a Donald Trump supporter that oh you're wrong because Donald Trump did this, and I'm more uh, ideologically pure. When we have a history, the past five or six years of Republican control in the House and Senate, where they've done diddly. In fact, the only thing that they did get through, which was a sequester, they squandered it. Mm -hmm. So people are tired of it.
2: Well, I think the thing with Trump is is it's the American dream. He's a success story. He shares, I mean... You can fail, like with bankruptcy. You can fail
1: many times and rebuild.
2: Yeah, but that's the American way and that's what makes us so special. And mm-hmm. I think people like that idea of like, you know, you work hard and you get what you, you know, you put in.
1: So you find optimism in his message somewhat.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, clearly a lot of things he says is negative, but the values he portrays, the American dream, mm-hmm. work hard, family. I mean, yeah. he loves his family. I thought Marco
1: Rubio has the most polished, Optimistic message.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: like Ted Cruz because a he was he's Canadian.
5: And, and they have
1: they they're big drinkers up there. But uh, no, I I like Ted Cruz because I respect the uh, campaign apparatus he's built. And he's sure. clearly done a a strategic um, layout. He is first or second in almost every state now. He's gotten the evangelical vote, and he's also peeled off a lot of the I think the Ron Paul Rand Paul crowd mm-hmm. of the constitutionalists because he's actually won cases against the Supreme Court supporting conservative causes, and that's a track record that I don't think gets enough attention on mm-hmm. his side.
2: Yeah, one thing, Ted Cruz, uh, he he's everywhere. He does have a great campaign apparatus. Uh, Jeff Rose is campaign manager, same as Jack Kingston's. But, uh, there's just some interesting things coming out about um, Ted Cruz, such as his like wife. You know, they said they pledged all their assets. The Goldman to Sachs.
1: Like, yeah, stuff, they
2: like. said they pledged all their assets yeah. to invest in his run. Is that but really? Is that, they did a margin account.
1: Is that too complicated, though? That to is too complicated. Make people like say, "No, he sucks." Because I mean, to me, it's kind of like the Benghazi uh, story. That's easy. Hillary yeah. Clinton failed. The State Department. Failed And four Americans died Including our ambassador And there's a huge cover up The Fast and Furious story is easy because we are tracking guns to Mexican drug cartels. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Barack Obama's had an abysmal track record in the judicial arena for conservatives with with Eric Holder and the current lady Loretta Lynch who's threatened people's First Amendment rights because they questioned bringing in thousands of unvetted Syrians. God forbid you you question that after what we've seen the attacks in uh, Europe lately. And then you look at his Supreme Court nominees, uh, Kagan and Sotomayor, who have been on the wrong side of these laws that have taken away Americans' freedoms and compelled them to buy uh, an insurance product, and we're seeing Obamacare now circling the drain. United Health is about to lose a billion dollars and leave the exchanges. So, those are easy. This one with Ted Cruz and the Goldman Sachs, I think that's hard. That's hard. We got to wrap up here, Rachel. Well, thank so, you fi- so much for final having thoughts. Me. I really appreciate you coming in a dynamic show today. Thank you, Harrison Lance, for uh, for riding off in the sunset with us. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I'm proud to represent Georgia and hopefully win that uh, 40 under 40 top American political consultant.
1: Yep. Well, I'm going to be paying. I'm going to be sending bribes to the judges uh, just in case. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll see y'all next week on Greg's List. Thanks again to Rachel Dodsworth, Harrison Lance and to you for listening. Bye-bye.
3: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.